Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, as always, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. If you like this podcast and you like the people who make it well, give us a follow on social media at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram, or if you'd like to follow either of the hosts, you can do just that. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at It's Adam Nicholas, and you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we invite you to follow or subscribe, depending on which version you've got. On Spotify, where you can follow on uh, all the various other podcast providers, including Amazon.co.uk, where if you're not readying yourself for Black Friday because you don't want to pay £149 for some bone-conducting running headphones, when I know for a fact that my friend got them for 75 where has that increase come from? Just because I was Googling them on another website. Is that what you can do in Amazon? Anyway, if you want to get your podcasts on there instead of your headphones, go there. I think you can even get on Audible, which is quite nice, in between your audiobook consumption. And on at Podcast Horseman's Twitter feed, where you can get the Acast link every Friday when we do the upload. You can stream it through there. You can subscribe on Acast if you want a reminder of that every single week. Pretty much at this point, you know the crack. Anywhere where you get podcasts, you can get Podcast Horseman. And while this podcast has not got much time left, we would love you to leave us a five-star review all the same. Once this podcast is completed, we still want it to be in the ether, in the conversations, and most importantly, in the search algorithms. So if you want to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It gives you a chance to get inducted into our Hollywood talk of fame. You'll get your name read out on the podcast. You'll get your review read out. As we have said in previous podcasts, though, we are coming to an end. We will make a concession and ensure that everybody that leaves a review will be read out. More on that in the weeks to come, but you will get your name on this podcast if you still want to leave us a review while the time remains. It can be nasty, it can be nice, but just say a few words. Leave the five star in there. Fool the algorithms these last few weeks. We'd be over the moon. Another one of those coming at the end of this episode. Yes, indeed, there is. How many we've got left now? This is this is 13, which means we've got 14, we've got 15 and 16, and then that's that's all the episodes. That's every episode. That's it. That's weirding me out big time. But one thing I haven't plugged since I think we started this backup, which I'm going to plug now, Michael, is I will remind mm-hmm. people, along with all the stars and all the goodness of that, we are still running the Follow Friday crack, which mm, is essentially yeah. 
if you interact with us in any way, shape or form with the uh, podcast link that we post uh, for the episode or just send us a message or like something or share something, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter, stupid old me will be sitting there <laughs> with, with my trigger fingers hoping I can find whoever did it and sending you a follow request, which I have found entertaining. I feel like it's a, at this point I need to say you don't realise how big of an undertaking this is, Michael, you see. Because <laughs> right, OK. Particularly on Instagram side of things, we are talking hundreds of people <laughs> who are interacting with the picture. And I have this funny feeling that there are people who listen to this podcast who are thinking, why is that weird podcast continually every week trying to follow me? <laughs> like, even if, <laughs> There's so many of people that I don't know who's obviously requested or who's there the week before so i might have already requested and they might have already denied but because it's follow friday michael anything <laughs> anything goes so i might just be in your like in your notifications every week trying to follow you if that is the case tough shit. get used to it until follow friday finishes it's all part of the deal it was supposed to be something nice not something nasty michael you see yeah. really there. Uh, I would say you've made a rod for your own back, but really you've made a Todd for your own back. There he is. Hooray! Question mark? Are you going to miss this when this is over? Yes. Like a hole. <laughs> like a hole in my body that pours out all the bad and all the poison. Anyway, <laughs> let's go across the Netflix, shall we, for this week's synopsis for Season 6, Episode 13. Mad, because normally, Michael, we wouldn't even have an episode 13. This wouldn't exist, We would it? just yeah. be done. This is the first episode yeah. 13 we've ever done on, on the last, Podcast Horseman. And the last. And the last. All right, then. Mr. Glass off empty over there. <laughs> anyway, this one is called The Horny Unicorn. Bojack gets a new AA sponsor. Todd plans a sophisticated party to impress his parents. Diane gets to know Sonny. Lots mm. going on here. And just from that synopsis there, we're getting Todd and his parents. We're getting Diane, who isn't a parent, but she's going out with a parent of Sonny. We're getting Bojack and Alcohol Anonymous. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> it's all about relationships, Michael. It's all family ties, isn't it? Which does take us quite nicely in at the episode because we've got Bojack driving and leaving a message for Hollyhock. Turns out it's not just the first one he's left as well. He reiterates that you know he's left messages before. She hasn't received his other calls. Um, it is in the car, so he heads for a driving burrito. But the voice on the other end, uh, the, the people that work at the burrito shop, uh, basically uh, serves us rather than Bojack with this absolutely hilarious exposition dump of what's been going on since the last episode. Through the prism of observing Bojack through their cameras as they're serving him the food, the shop workers let us, the viewers, know that he's just come from court, having settled with Sarah Lynn's family for $5 million. Uh, apparently consensus has been in the general public that uh, he didn't come across all that well in the second interview. That won't be a surprise to anybody that joined us for last week's episode, uh, which was caught a few months back. So that gives us a nice sort of timestamp of where we are. Uh, he got the number one slot in the 100 most hated men, which he has to correct because the other workers believe it's the most hatted men. And it must be a reference <laughs> to a picture of him wearing a hat. Um, it's at this point in this uh, confusion where Bojack has to correct them that they realise that they haven't been on mute at all. Bojack has heard all of this just as we have. Um, indeed, with Patrick Stewart-esque powers, he's heard everything. Um, but <laughs> it's too late. It's too late, Michael. He's already heard everything. 
they're nervously serving his burrito. But as his car, as he tries to drive away, his car gets milkshaked by somebody calling him an arsehole. It's been three months and not a very pleasant one for Bojack. That's our freezing milkshake cold open. What did you make of all the developments, uh, long-term and short-term, that were in Bojack's life over these 30 seconds of the episode? Well, the first thing I've got to ask you, Michael, is am I Khalees? Because my milkshake hits all the horse on the car is the biggest takeaway that I've got from this so far. <laughs> is it damn right it's bigger than yours? It's bigger than yours. <laughs> I mean, I bet they wished they'd been on mute, these two, bless them. But then we wouldn't have been gifted with the perfect little gag that definitely didn't take us more than three takes during this record. My goodness me. I'm going to try and carry on up. But yeah, man, I love this. I love it. It's a classic Bojack joke, this, isn't it? The mm -hmm. quick bit of um, exposition from an un, an unviewable source for us. Just literally. Indeed, yeah. The narrator's voice coming out the uh, the microphone. It, burritos and more, Michael. <laughs> I mean, I wanted a burrito after the fact. So even though like he had terrible customer service, I still would have ordered. Yeah, I still would have had the milkshake off the windscreen, to be honest. <laughs> um, we start the episode proper. Um, with a, a trip to Vim, where Maud bursts in on uh, Princess Carolyn and Judah having a meeting, only it's actually Maud's twin sister, Fergus. <laughs> <laughs> totally lost there, Fergus. Of, co <laughs> of course it's not, Nicholas, it's, it's Maud. Um, but oh, after, it's not. After she's introduced Fergus and her 12 kids, Todd bursts, Todd bursts in with, has this ever happened to you? And we realise for the first time in too long, we're getting a PB living style pitch to uh, to Princess Carolyn. Um, it's about Todd wanting to open up a daycare centre at Vim Management. Judah very quickly does some calculations and notes that Princess Carolyn can actually pay Todd more than she does now. And because it's going to go through the business, she can save on taxes as well. It's a win-win. Um, it's all done as quick as you like. And uh, also, Maud and Todd are moving in together, which is just a nice add-on to the news, obviously, that we saw that we saw them decide together at the end of the last episode that they have now made official, I guess, because it's going to Princess Carolyn. She asks where, feeding into a cut to Mr. Peanut Butter, saying, quote, you can stay here, live with me forever. Only it's not Mr. Peanut Butter, it's Birthday Dad on the set of Birthday Dad. And the line should have been, quote, <laughs> Thank you for the birthday pizza. Today I am your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely inspired. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Peanut Butter and Princess Carolyn, after they, funnily enough, have to reset the shot and retake it because Mr. Peanut Butter has said something completely wrong, uh, talk about him being lonely and how he's always had somebody to care for with all of his wives before. Um the advice, the only advice a doctor gave him when he went to see him was to look up a meme that always cheers the doctor up. That, of course, was the sad dog. We will have more on that much later as we go, obviously. Um, as you noted at the start of the episode, this is the first time in ages it feels like a proper traditional ABC plot. So back to Bojack we go. Um, he arrives at Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's just like at the burrito place, far from supportive. They all absolutely hate him there. Um, he even has to acknowledge that he's being, you know, he can't get anyone's attention in this one room where everyone is, should form a circle of trust. Nobody trusts him, nobody respects him. They all leave without him. Uh, and after acknowledging that he might need a sponsor, he finds one, but it's a worst case scenario. Vance Wagner, in a bit of a disguise almost, appears ready to be his sponsor. 
Uh, <laughs> even Vance himself knows how potentially awful this could be, but he says that everybody abandoned him and he knows just what it's like to be in Bojack's shoes. He's there to call if he needs him. He says, quote, my number is 555-555-8008 because sometimes life turns you upside down and when you're upside down, my number is boobs. Boobs. <laughs> oh, unbelievable um, our C plot which uh, we will touch on again later on the episode we pop to uh, Chicago where Diane gets a call from Princess Carolyn who already wants an Ivy Tran sequel Diane wants to go off in a completely different direction entirely but Princess Carolyn pushes her for Ivy Tran 2 last transit to Clarksville she abruptly hangs up without really asking if that's Diane's game we'll see how she gets on with that later on because we are with Bojack who is sat at home just trying to keep himself to himself and avoid the general public that despises him. He's watching a daytime, loosely politically based talk show, uh, but he's shocked to see that he is used as the low-hanging example for somebody being a dick weasel. Uh, the picture that they flash up is, of course, the one of him sneezing on Mr. Tomei. What else could it possibly be? Um, the photoshopping on it is intentionally bad, but the host explains that they didn't want to waste any more time on this awful creature as other than what was absolutely necessary. Um, this is broken up by him getting a call from his accountant and his lawyer, um, Gaz and Chaz, respectively. They are completely incompetent um, and they are have some very bad news for him. He's being sued for $100 million, um, not by anybody's family, but by Xerox. They did not like his, quote, Xerox of a Xerox line that was used in the last episode. They thought they didn't want the brand associated with Bojack because he himself was so toxic. As Bojack points out, if you, the viewer, haven't picked this up anyway, quote, Sarah Lynn's death cost me five million, but saying something bad about a brand is going to cost me a hundred. This, of course, could ruin him. Um, and big changes are necessarily afoot from the off. First, the house. Um, a family and an estate agent burst in to confirm that the house is already sold from underneath his nose. Um, the agent has lied to the family about who Bojack Horseman is to get through a quick sale. Um, he uh, he takes his mail from the estate agent, but that's him out the house forever. Um, he is literally pushed out of his house and potentially out of his life. He doesn't have nowhere to go. Um, one letter has Hollyhock's name on it. Uh, on the sender information at the top, Bojack holds it up to the sun and can see that it's a very long letter, sort of multi-folded with page after page after line. Um, very Ross and Rachel, you imagine. 18 pages front, yeah, back, front and back. There's a lot of detail there, but he doesn't want to deal with it right now. He's badly rattled by it. Um, and he slides it into his coat pocket and goes off into the unknown, into the wilderness. Um, again, well, I guess we'll come to the the Diane and the Todd stuff later on. But in terms of Bojack here, uh, everything has changed in the three months that we've missed. But equally, everything has changed in the 30 seconds that we saw. The house is gone. Seemingly all, if not more enough to make him bankrupt of his fortune is gone. His legacy is being erased as we speak, or at least transformed in the public eye into this, you know, um, what we would now, I guess, refer to as a cancelled celebrity. You know, everything that, that we saw before, um, not to get hung up on the, the politics that are typically associated with that word, but that's certainly how it's feeling. Like everything that we've ever seen of Bojack in the past six seasons is just being ticked off, erased and wiped away by virtue of this disastrous second interview that is revealed for the first time ever, the closest the public has ever seen of the Bojack that we've lived with for these six seasons. It's uh, it's heavy. It's played a lot for laughs. We've pissed ourselves going through some of these gags, but the using the gags, I think, is a bit of levity for some really heavy-duty plot development. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you get the... It did, does this not feel like how you and I and probably everybody who's listening to this podcast imagines 
he should have been getting looked at for so very long. Like, yeah. And you know he's obviously in a bad situation here because this is Hollywood where mm. that all can be swept under the rug usually by mm-hmm. some clever manoeuvre. Almost was the other day on the last on the last episode that we did mm. until he got a little bit too cocky or a little too big for his horseshoes and decided to go <laughs> back for interview number two. Um, but yeah, literally in the space of this, this house, and this is a huge moment, by the way. This is <laughs> massive. This house that we've literally had for yeah. six seasons, six and a half seasons at this point. We've literally had an entire season where we had a choice because it was the set of <laughs> of the set of film yeah. as well. It's gone. It's just gone. It's taken from it. Like it's it's so like of all the things that are part of the iconography of the show, that house is I would say in the top two or three, isn't it? You know, you see it at the start of the credits every episode. Yeah. It's so integral to Bojack's entire aesthetic. Like it's, it's not a, it's in, it's it's integral to the whole reason the show exists because mm. little like tidbit, I guess, for you, uh, Raphael Bob Waxberg, that was kind of an experience of his. Like he lived in a, I don't know if he was like, like a, one of many living in a house like this up in the Hollywood Hills. And he yeah. like looked out and he sort of pictured this loneliness of him being in this amazing place up on the hillside, all this kind of crack. But obviously he wasn't happy or what, like, mm-hmm. life wasn't quite the way it wanted to be. It's Gone. It's just yeah. gone. It's gone completely. It's been sold to a family of cows as well, which I don't know why. <laughs> it's funny because he's a horse and he's been replaced by cows. I don't. I just. I don't know why. It's, it's funny to me. It's very funny to me. But yeah, it's just a huge moment, and mm. it's really weird seeing how hostile everyone is to him after we've grown accustomed to. He usually gets out of this, doesn't he? He does, and it's interesting that. It looks as if he might not, and yet he is brought ever so briefly, and we'll see more of him in this episode, face-to-face with somebody that has done it time and time again. He's played, Vance Wagner has played this song over and over again and got away with it, whereas Bojack now seemingly hasn't. So it's like, that was a nice choice, and we're going to get into the the details of their relationship here, but that was a nice choice of all the other problematic male figures that we've seen in this show to lean on Vance to be the one that rocks up at Alcoholics Anonymous, I think, Um, because if anyone at this point is going to, pull him out of the mire. It's not going to be somebody through a professional avenue. It's going to be... This Someone who's dick. been there many, many times before himself. This dick that has just figured it out. You know, he's got, kind of got the cheat code in Hollywood. Um, in the meantime, Bojack has to go to Princess Carolyn begging for work. Um, after eventually a lot of needling because she doesn't really want any help, he manages to secure a small role on Birthday Dad. Um, she bollocks him for living out of the hotel when he asks for his pages to be sent there um, and has just the solution. Quote... You should stay here and live with me forever. It's Mr. Peanut Butter doing the line from Birthday Dad, but this time it's to Bojack. It's a real offer. He's outside his house. Bojack sighs hard. Should point out at this point, the belongings of his life are in that once, what was once the spy shit bag. That's now, I didn't catch the word. I'll save that for you later on, but all of his earthly belongings are now confined to that bag. Well, we can give it away because it's already been given away on previous uh, horsing around that one. But of course, mm. the bag is now sober shit. Because he's trying to save. So, of course, yes. Of course, it is. all he's all he's got of any value. Um, he is woken <laughs> by Mr. Peanut Butter making him breakfast. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter's done his laundry, which of course brings up the letter because it was in his jacket. Um, Bojack still can't read it. Um, he is going to. Um, and he leaves her another message, just wishing her well as he's on the way. Um, meanwhile, uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is on the birthday dad set, which is somehow now a war scene. Uh, it's a ridiculous set piece orchestrated for Mr. Peanut Butter to say, quote, I think war is bad. 
<laughs> and when they cut, um, we uh, fight. We see Bud, where Bojack has been cast. He's a dead body lying on a killing field in a war that birthday dad has suddenly found himself on. Um, He's, uh, he's playing dead body number four. And uh, when the scene cuts, uh, the director or somebody on the set asks Bojack to face all the way away from the camera. No, a bit more. No, a bit more. Until absolutely none of his face can be seen. It is Bojack very literally at the bottom of the pile in Hollywood at this point. Um, after filming, Bojack casually mentions doing something with Mr. Peanut Butter, but Mr. Peanut Butter can't because he's got loads more scenes to shoot that day. There's an awful realisation where Bojack suddenly realises exactly where he is in the pecking order versus Mr. Peanut Butter, who, as we've always said, they're kind of running in parallel, but it always seems to work out just the right way for Mr. Peanut Butter, for better and worse. Um, and anyway, he can't because he's going to a fancy party round at Todd's. Um, a little bit more on that later on, um, but with... Um, Mr. But with Bojack, sorry, still at a loose end and unable to read the Hollyhock letter despite his latest attempt, he calls Vance Wagner. And at that point, for the first time and not the last in this episode, the dreaded bell tolls. We've heard that before. Um, we find Bojack and Vance meeting up at the Silver Spoon Diner, of course, that familiar table in that familiar diner. Um, Bojack is hated in the nation to such an extent that the uh, cow waitress that we've seen over and over again that Todd wants tipped, even she can't stand him, gives him the food that is handed to him by the chef, which is just this manky old sandwich. He just cannot get a break. Um, he is basically, he's so unpopular at this point that he looks around to find everybody in the diner staring back at him and he sarcastically and loudly asks if it's because he's a unicorn, is everybody looking at his horn? And that seems to give the two of them a bit of a brainwave. Bojack and Vance do a little bit of riffing and eventually they land on the plot of a film that involves a drunk party unicorn called, quote, Horny Unicorn, which with enough talking from Vance to Bojack, they think they can actually get it made. Vance says he's going to pitch it, and Bojack, kind of with no other avenues to take, gradually, this kind of grimace becomes a wry smile, and he thinks, yeah, maybe we can't get it done. Um, just dead quickly, and then we'll take a pause for the cause and get some thoughts on kind of where we're at with Bojack. Bojack and Vance rock up at Todd's house. We will get to Todd's plot later on, but it is indeed the aforementioned fancy party that Mr. Peanut Butter was going to go to. Um, they've got a plant as a gift, but Todd does not want Bojack there. Um, he says it's an important night. Again, more on that later. And he says, quote, I can't risk anything happening. Bojack resents the implication that anything will happen because he's there, because he's sober now. But Todd's been burned by all of this before, as we've seen and as we've experienced. Uh, and at this point, Vance drops the plant, makes a huge mess. And just in terms of what Todd's trying to go for, the vibe is going for tonight, even that is an irritation and Bojack hasn't even made it through the door. That is cute to just head back to the party and that's a no-go. Um, before we draw, uh, join Bojack and Vance on their next adventure for the night and a big sort of turning point in the episode, um, what do you make of the continuing, I guess, like the, the trajectory of Bojack, the, the looming sense of dread that the bell toll gives you? And indeed, I guess the kind of toxic presence of Vance in his in his day altogether. Difficult one, this, I think. Um... Because obviously we know Vance Wagner is a stupid piece of shit, Michael. Mm. Uh, and he's like the perfect embodiment in this show of everything that's wrong with Hollywood, of how mm. like Diane sums it up really well. Like, he's just a, he, he messes up, he disappears, he makes the apology, he comes back, and it's just a cycle of forgiveness yeah. and repeating because they love, Hollywood loves the guy who bounces back. It's always yeah. the guy who bounces back as well, we should point out. Um, so you're kind of concerned here, but also, there is, there is something in two guys who are in the same boat. Bojack's got nobody at this point, like no one. Mm. 
Vance is the only one who's shown him anything, like any sort of any real world interaction where it hasn't been yeah. negative and it hasn't been judgmental, which for better or for worse is what Bojack is probably probably needs right about now. Mm. He's got nobody. He's got literally no one. He can yeah. hang around with Vance. He can just sit and be normal with Vance and he's not going to get criticised. Or Yes, it's because Vance is a piece of shit. But also, <laughs> I don't, it's the weird thing, isn't it? There's this weird, they're in this weird little orbit together where you're like, this is a bad parent, obviously, but what else has he got? Would he rather be alone at this point? Or would he rather have at least someone he can sound his ideas off in Vance? Who, as it stands, is actively trying to help him not be alone at this time. So I was thinking, right, because at first I, I thought, well, Bojack, there's never plot holes to speak of in Bojack, but there's, you have to every now and then think, well, is that a logic leap in the plot? And it's so rare that we almost never talk about this because they never leave anything sort of unchecked. And obviously, like, because a little bit of me thought, Peanut Butter's at a party, why doesn't Bojack go back to Mr. Peanut Butter's? But it occurred to me that his interaction with him in the after they've finished filming the scene, Bojack's ego won't allow for that. No, if he goes no. back, if he goes back to Peanut Butter's house while Todd's at the party, not only is he an extra uh, on birthday, Dad, he's pretty much an extra in Peanut Butter's life. He's yeah. the Todd. He's the Todd of Mister Peanut Butter. He's got to go and lie on that sofa like Todd used to in his house. And Bojack, like, and that vanity is kind of what draws him to Vance. So I, think, I don't think I'm doing a backflip to kind of put those no, two no. things together. No, and I think as well, I'm pretty sure. Peanut butter, the, the vibe I got from peanut butter is he's literally going to be finishing up on set and just going straight mm. to the party. So it would yeah. mean Bojack would literally probably have to sit, even just sitting on the set all day doing nothing. Like, mm. And again, as you say, from an ego perspective, from a horse who can't sit still for five minutes perspective, <laughs> yeah. probably not ideal. So they kind of end up in the same orbit, almost, you know, again, not by accident, but by circumstance. Mm. But there is, as much as I don't like it, there yeah. is something about two down and outs just being down and outs together. It's weird. It's a strange. Mm. It's a strange sensation. It's the idea, I guess, of finding their people, which is something that Vance sort of references a couple of times about Bojack needing to find. Like at this point, they've kind of found their people because their people are each other. There's a yeah. there's an opportunistic side for both of them, really, isn't there? It's better <laughs> yeah. better to be in yeah. this together than being in that by yourself. There's two rats left in the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> well. They are um, driving away from Todd's party and Bojack, having had that experience of kind of having the door slammed in his face, is starting to get a bit more along the line of Vance's thinking, getting increasingly frustrated about having nowhere to go and getting so little support. And Vance riles him up further. And this is where you can see that like that kind of dangerously negative influence that a sponsor shouldn't ultimately be providing. Let's remember that Vance has Vance's professional capacity, theoretically at least. Um, he starts trying to big up Bojack by talking about how the people in their life only resent them uh, because right now they're not screwing up. And when they screw up, uh, it means that the friends get to feel better about their lives. Um, it's uh, it's all very sort of, it's the idea of basically Vance trying to gaslight the existing people in Bojack's life so we can potentially create a bit of separation between Bojack and those people. And that's, we know that to be abusive behavior and those are like extremely negative patterns. Um, this is the this is the part I would say where you begin to see the potential mm. for it all going wrong here, don't you? That's like I, yeah. I need to make it clear because no, yeah, prior, yeah. prior to that is when they're kind of in a nice orbit. But this is when you really start to see the turning of that wheel and Vance suddenly thinking, I could get this guy on my side, which is a different thing yeah. altogether. That. Yes, it becomes about he's not a sponsor, he's not acting responsibly, he's just looking to get him, like you say, on side with him. Um 
and as I say, they've got nowhere to go, um, other than obviously to try and get a billion dollar movie about a horny unicorn made. Um, but all <laughs> of this thought, all of this thought process is broken up by Vance getting a call from his daughter, who is apparently in a lot of trouble. He does, does suddenly seem extremely concerned. He's vague about it. Um, but it turns out that she's at college and she needs their help. Bojack, understandably, is uh, very hesitant to go to a college campus for all the obvious reasons and the terrible experiences he's had there in the past. Um, but again, we go back to the guilt tripping, back to the gaslighting. Vance yeah. uses kind of the, the fragile sort of sense of need that he's developed with Bojack to kind of get his way here. And suddenly they're on the way. The bell tolls again. We are getting the clues of how this might turn out. Bojack events uh, on campus and... Uh, Vance draws huge attention to them when Bojack is desperately trying to keep a low profile by immediately instigating a screaming match with his daughter, Jagger. It is this point that we find out what exactly it was that she was, quote, in trouble for. It turns out that the emergency was that she'd liked her mother's Instagram post of her with her new boyfriend and a court ordered that she can only have five likes per month. I mean, Christ, what a picture that paints. But Bojack thinks this is less than ideal because now a crowd has immediately gathered around the pair of them. It's a literal window of floor screaming match while Bojack is just stood there like the proverbial spare prick at the wedding. He tries to bail quietly out the way as Vance completely loses it with his daughter. Again, we get echoes of when they've seen these really ugly scenes between celebrities and their children where Vance is calling her all the names under the sun. It's a, a really unpleasant scene. Um, but in the meantime, as Bojack sort of tries to back away into the trees, a student that spotted him catches up with him and starts talking him up a little bit. He suggests that he maybe got a bit of a bum deal. He watched the interview and what he saw through the interview was that Bojack was earnestly trying to apologise. This is, of course, a male student that you would pitch at about 18, 19, 20. And we know that with them being uh, at a college, that kind of makes the profile of the sort of person that might have seen Bojack's side of it. I don't want to be seen to be generalising there, but I think it was interesting that they targeted somebody wearing the, the fraternity shirt, coming over and speaking to him almost straight away. Uh, he has a lot of takes, shall we say. Quote, I mean, let, let's let's have it right. He's a dude, bro. Let's just yes. call it like it is. Yeah. They want us to know that there's a very specific kind of guy he's meant to be, this guy, isn't he? Yeah, they have targeted, a, like I say, a student on a college campus from a fraternity on purpose. He's saying, quote, everything is all patriarchy this and male gaze that. And I think it's cool that you're pushing back against that. Bojack, to his defence, limply protests the idea for a second, but the kind of guy just talks over him and, more importantly, welcomes him. Bojack has been looking for somewhere, anywhere, someone, anyone, to just welcome him again into a fraternity, and now he's found a literal one to go back to. Uh, he's invited over to the frat house, and, of course, that means he's also able to pull Vance Wagner away from this pretty ugly scene. So over they go. We find him at the frat house. Um, Bojack is telling stories about stars and Hollywood, and he's clearly impressing all these students exactly as we'd imagine. He's just for a, it's a pretty grim-looking party, but he's the life of it, and that seems to matter the most to him. Uh, as that's going fairly well... Again, things turn dark through Vance. He's abandoning him and leaving him to it, even though as his sponsor, he's got a young girl with him and he says he's, quote, walking this co-ed back to her room. There's perverts out there, you know. Oh. Bojack looks nervous without Vance and uh, after bollocking a student for taking his picture, he resolves just to leave, just to get out of there. Uh, he tries Hollyhocks one last uh, phone one last time as he gets out the front door and he gets that breath of fresh air, uh, but her number has been disconnected. Um, this kind of sends him into a bit of a tailspin. So he pulls out the letter and he nervously goes to read it. Uh, and though we don't know what's going on, we get that familiar out of tune piano score play that again, we've heard in the past, that's always used in a scene where things are falling apart for Bojack. Um, 
We don't know what the letter says, as I say, but he sighs with such pain and drops the letter. Several pages sort of scatter to the floor and he goes back inside the frat house. Um, he takes a seat on a sofa and we get that gorgeous shot that we're occasionally treated to. It's, of course, from the credits, but it's used in occasional other episodes of a stationary Bojack sitting there while the world flashes by around him. Things happen to him. He's getting pictures taken. People are talking to him. There's students putting their arm around him. But ultimately, he is just frozen as time sort of passes him by. Uh, he's just numb to all of it. And the sequence, and then indeed the episode, ends when he is handed a beer. And scene. Oh, man. What a closing image it was as well. Mm -hmm. like, they, they're really good at using this uh, the passage of time, him remaining the steady middle while yeah. the world passes around him. But that final shot of him with the beer, and that he just the way that he just has a little glance at it because he doesn't yeah. even realize it's in his hand, does he? And then, mm -hmm. yeah, he looks at it. And quite clearly, we should point out, doesn't hasn't had a drink of it or anything. No, no, he's only handed he it. He has a big, strong look at that bottle, and uh, the, those bastards know what they're doing. Oof. Send us out on the dong and. God damn it, Michael. I mm. mean, I mean the, the letter, the reading of the letter, I, I, I was actively sitting watching, every time I watched this, Fels, how would you ever think this was the right time to read that letter? Like, just, <laughs> no. you just, you just wouldn't. Like, no. but I, but hey, yeah, there it is. He's, he's a self-destructive man, that, that horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I think as well, like the, I guess like what we were trying to touch upon, and it's easy to talk about it now because I didn't want to spoil the end of the episode. But yeah. I think this is this as an episode as a whole, this is intentionally for the longest time an attempt to look at the the side of the person, not in a sympathetic way. I think you were kind of talking about this before about the two of them together, but look at the life of the person on the like post interview, post revelation, yeah. post whatever, whatever this thing is. We are this episode. You know, just for a real life context, it's 2021. Everything bar the pandemic exists in this universe. But, you yes. know, like, so yeah. all, the, all the sort of reference points beyond the pandemic itself are right up to date with January 2021. So it's it's it can be as reactionary to anything you want. Think of any major Hollywood figure or any sort of film or music or person in culture that was, you know, outed as an abuser or whatever. That's all there. And they yeah. can draw. They can draw from that. And the conversation continues to this day. I was led to think of um, uh, the recent, like various Dave Chappelle scandals, or you know the way that his his like recent um, comedy specials were scandalised. And more about you know I'm not such a fan of such, but more the discourse that spun off it and the the, the sides that were gradually forming and kind of stating mm -hmm. the cases. Bojack was always going to have a side, and it revealed itself. And then immediately that side revealed itself as pretty bad news. And even yeah. Bojack. That was the first time Bojack heard that said back to him. And he's like, this is what I am to people now. How much do I really want to embrace that? How much do I want to be part of that? Because up to this point, he's been feeling sorry for himself, but he's been trying to own it at the same time. And then he hears that and he's like, I, I, cannot, I can't be that. I can't be that. But all the same, he goes to the frat house because that intoxicating feeling of just for a second being valued again, just for a second being welcomed when the rest of the waiting world has just said no thanks. I think that's such an interesting, and again, for the Cartoon Horse Show, as we've said since episode one, a very real feeling presentation of a very topical real world thing that we don't necessarily get to have a look at. And we're seeing it here. I'm not so sure that a show with actors would necessarily be able to do as good a job of that. It's brilliant this because 
as we would, as I was certainly trying to navigate without sounding like, hey, Vance yeah. is actually a good guy. Before. No, yeah, yeah. Um, they do a great job here of just representing when someone has nothing, mm. even the worst person in the world that they're paired with, who shows them any kind of kindness. And let's be right here, before we see the intentions of Vance, mm-hmm. he, he is genuinely like, the things he says are like, yeah, he's on about if, the, if the Horny Unicorn, if Horny Unicorn was Secretariat, that's a different conversation, isn't it? It's gross yeah. because it's Horny Unicorn, not because yes. it's the idea of him wanting to make him $100 million is like, I'll help my friend up, sort of thing. Yeah, well, it, it does, yeah. It, it's, at that point, you're looking at it and thinking, well, Vance knows that there's two of them now, and that together they could make, they could lean into this and make some money out of it. Like, if you're going to be hated, why not make some money while you're being hated? Yeah. And whatever. Um, and I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's them taking chicken shit and trying to make chicken salad because they've essentially made themselves chicken shit. Yeah. And now they have to try and make something better of it. Um, but you immediately, and like very, very immediately, find out just why Vance was being even remotely nice to him. All of it was rooted in the fact that he wants someone on his side because what, what what you're not realising, or what maybe, maybe you're not realising, maybe you were, is that, yes, Bojack is the one who needs a pal. Yes, Bojack needs someone he can sit, by, sit beside. But Vance needs that too. Like, he yes. needs it just as much as Bojack needs it. But he's presented as a saviour initially, or a helper initially. But actually, all he's trying to do is get someone on his side. And immediately you see it, as soon as he needs something off Bojack, he's only done those things, been, like, remotely kind to him, so that he can then go, like, all this stuff I've done for you, and you're not going to do this thing for me, because it's... Mm-hmm. That's how he is. Of course he is. And it doesn't even take that long for him to take no. But it's exactly what happens. And then, of course, he puts Bojack in the worst possible situation. Doesn't even help him out in the situation he's supposed to be helping him out at because he's too busy off doing, being very, oh. very dodgy with yeah. an underage, well, someone certainly far too young for what he should be talking to, um, and opts to leave Bojack in a position where, again, he's vulnerable because... He, he's struggling with I would like to be I like being the horse who people like I like talking to people I like being the centre of attention the problem is he's found his crowd and the crowd are enablers of bad yeah. behaviour which he shouldn't be around right now And um, but there's that moment when he's talking to them all in the frat house and you can see him holding court isn't he Yeah. with a bunch yeah. of these guys and you can see the light bulb's gone on in his head. He's like, this is great. This is that someone, someone's mashed the little button to make him feel mm-hmm. good. Like he talks about. Yes. That yeah. Story. Yeah. That's all he's doing. What is it? A bunch of horny, like <laughs> horny, hungry people or whatever. He's just looking for that. Someone to push the button in the back of the head that says happiness. And there he is. He's just in this little frat house trying to do it. And it's so tough because we're, we're sort of trained from not, we don't want him to feel bad. Like I feel, oh, we don't want him to have a hard time but we do also need him to understand the consequences. And he's in this weird grey area and he ends up in the worst possible place and obviously ends up with a bottle in his hand, which is the worst outcome for making some bad choices, I guess, down the road. Indeed. We um, we sort of, there was a lament there, I think, on vulnerability and support networks and things like that. Let's uh, check in with who Bojack should have been closer to all along with Todd. A bit more on, we've got the uh, little teasers of there, this party going on. And it's because, as we sort of learned at the start of the episode, him and Maud have uh, found their empty apartment, their new dream place together. Um, Todd calls uh, home to speak to his mother, but he, of course, gets Jorge on the phone, who we've met before. Him and, him and Jorge have ironed out the differences. So they're able to be relatively cordial together. Um, Jorge says that um, Todd's mother is currently resting. 
Um, so Todd passes on that he has nothing to prove to her anyway. He's got a job and an apartment. He did miss out Paul Moore there. He's just standing there in support all the same. Um, <laughs> but after getting a little bit flustered about feeling like he's not got what he wanted out of this phone call, he ends up inviting his folks to a, quote, fancy, sophisticated housewarming party, which they need to throw together right now, which is, of course, at the point where you get the pull out and the apartment is completely bollock or empty. Um, Todd goes to see Judah about how on earth he can possibly pull this party out of his arse. Judah, naturally, helps lulls <laughs> he rolls out his quote what would todd do strategy allowing a stunning little animated sequence of bullet points so ruthlessly efficient that i took it to have to reflect what actually happens in judah's brain when he's doing any problem solving you get a little little graphic at his head you get several different solutions several different problems should i say that are then given several different solutions by the time judah's got to the end of this miniature little explanation uh, ever affable he gives all the credit to todd for coming up with such a great idea because it's what would have Todd done and Todd's got the party and he's good to go because we see uh, Todd in prep time he's hired the extras and actors from birthday dad to be sophisticated guests at his party the people that he will in invite will effectively be the studio audience watching these actors perform they only need to learn three lines it's three key phrases quote I'm starting to think smartphones are actually making us less connected uh, quote quote well that's politics for you and quote sir you cannot remove your shoes inside this Applebee's. <laughs> Which and does feel a bit more like a personal moment for Todd, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It's a vintage two out, uh, sort of rule of three gag, and Todd does take that moment to kick his shoes off as he tells that line as well. Um, but the party, as anything planned by Judah, goes well. Um, it's got it's all going very nice and smooth. Um, but he gets a call from Jorge as the party's going on. This is after Bojack and um, Vance have been and have been sent on their way. They're not coming. Um Oh, he has to pass on the news that um, his mother is still recovering from a surgery. And uh, Todd rather mournfully replies, I'm trying to connect to her. And Jorge replies, I know, please keep trying. It's a really sad and powerful moment of pause for Todd, which is sweetly enhanced, but broken up by Mr. Peanut Butter leaning over his shoulder to say, quote, I'm starting to think smartphones are actually making us less connected. Todd, in this sort of in this little animation seems to have forgotten that this was a pre-planned line and takes Mr. Peanut Butter's lament for what it was intended as, I think. But yeah, um, what on the surface looked like light relief, it's Bojack, there's no such thing. You get this fairly powerful, it, well, it's a moment, but it's not a moment, isn't it? You get nothing, unfortunately, which is not what we wanted for poor old Todd. He was hoping for some sort of crowning moment here, where he's, mm. even though he's done this, you know, it's the first time he's had his own place is the big deal, I think, yeah. Because uh, yeah. you know he's had he's, the guy's been a millionaire, the guy's done all sorts of stuff, but this mm. is the first time he's had an apartment. He's had all these things that society deems as being, you are progressing in life. You have an yeah. apartment you own. You have a girlfriend. You have a job. Well done. Like, um, and I, I just think, I will say, the delivery of the line from Mister Peanut Butter. How how did this show? This show does things sometimes, Michael, that I don't know how they do them. And <laughs> one of them is, this is a gag. This is a three-phrase gag that Todd throws mm -hmm. in there for all of his guests. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And it's even better paid off by the fact that peanut butter Hears it off a guest who Todd has trained to say the line. Of course, yeah, he's not one of the paid actors. He's not one of the actors. So he is an actor, but he's not one of the actors. Funnily yeah. enough, who he doesn't really seem to be that blown away by the fact that it's all of the people from Birthday Because <laughs> they are extras, I suppose. But the fact that he takes it in. Paul F. Tompkins needs to take a bow for this because he managed to recontextualize the line to the point where it actually feels earnest. It feels sincere. And yes, Peanut butter is, ironically, just like repeating, parroting what he's heard off somebody else because he thought it was interesting because he's genuinely blown away by that when he first hears it. <laughs> but the way that it just fits this moment so perfectly because it's a, let's have it right, it's Todd struggling to reconnect with his mom after all yeah. this time. And he's even managed to break through the boundaries with Jorge. Like, who yeah, isn't, yeah. it's like them two are kind of on terms now. Mm. It's sad. It's really, really sad. And as you say, we should have expected no less. You can't have a little side plot in Bojack and just expect laughs when they're going to hit you with some real some real emotions. Yeah, and a few more emotions before we wrap yeah. up this for you because we go to a couple of little things for Diane in this episode. Um, she's in Chicago, obviously. We were we saw her earlier on talking to um, Princess Carol on the phone while she was in the food court uh, putting the finishing touches on Ivy Tran. Um, she's looking for the advanced copy for the book in the apartment that, of course, she shares with Guy. But Sonny is there. Um, Guy's son is there with his mates, and he has no clue where it is. Um, they're playing a computer game, and he's kind of intentionally brushing her off. And he's saying that anyway, the book's for losers. Girl losers, he insists on stress. Yeah. He's just after, he's just after popping his mates. Um, but uh, she, she needs, basically, she needs help, Nicholas. And he replies with what I personally can only describe as the most unhelpful thing I think I've ever heard one person say to another. He said, I don't know if you'll believe this. He goes, quote, that sounds like a you problem. I can't <laughs> imagine anybody unleashing a line like that in real life. But we'll, uh, we'll brush past no. that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think about that. Uh, because later, Sonny reveals that he's found the book because he's read it. Um, he wouldn't admit it in front of his mates because it was a popularity thing. But in a really sweet moment, he inadvertently offers her loads of notes that are at very least extremely thoughtful, even if they're delivered in that kind of teenage boy way. Um, he doesn't really realise that he's providing her with helpful editorial advice. And Diane is 
glowing at the fact that what has actually happened here is that Sonny is engaged with her work and is now able to engage with her. And the two of them are very clearly bonding properly for the first time since that horrendously awkward meeting yeah. <laughs> last week when he left. I mean, she uh, yeah, I was going to say, let's call it like it is, where she made him cry in a restaurant. <laughs> Uh, and the, the particularly uh, uh, sort of something I just wanted to isolate specifically, he references a bit of the book that he was particularly impressed about where he didn't realise that it was possible to still be someone's best friend, even if you're disappointed in them, which Diane, of course, references. Yes. And bear in mind, all these scenes being in a cut with everything happening with Bojack and we know what they're doing. Um, Sonny closes by saying he thinks girls will love it, uh, especially girls with low self-esteem, which, again, is exactly what Diane needed to hear. Um, he asks when the next one is coming out, which in comparison to Princess Carolyn's attempt to get the book out of her suddenly makes it all make sense to her. And she says if she starts right now, she can probably get it done in autumn. So this, for something so small, is something so nice and so sweet for Diane. And isn't it just nice to get that once in a fucking while? <laughs> a hugely positive and massively meaningful moment between Diane and Sonny here because like she just couldn't find a way through. He was obviously, you know, angsty teenager, like not mm -hmm. not really uh much crack. Not like not very welcoming, shall we say, to the woman who yeah. is potentially going to be his new mom in, in air quotes, if you like, <laughs> which he clearly has issues about already. Yes. Um but I, I did like the I did like the way that he was trying to play it though when he, he was like well, if it was, you know, girls would probably love it. Like, he doesn't want to admit <laughs> that he's enjoyed it. But I love that he gives out all those references about Chicago and what is and what isn't mm. Chicago. Yeah. Again, there's some real thought, uh, passionate uh, thought processes about Chicago there from a Chicago one, of course. Um, but just, just nice. Just like Diane getting a good end product out of something and making a bond with Guy's son. And to my knowledge, I'm sure, we don't actually see Guy in this episode, do we? We just... It's yeah, just Sonny and right. Diane, which makes it mm -hmm. feel even nicer because it's just the two of them in a weird way. We don't have not that guys an interruption. I do. I'm a big guy fan, but uh, just nice that it's just a pair of them. They've got to coexist. You can you get the feeling that they're in this house together, and what's going to happen if they don't? It's going to be a nightmare scenario. And it's of all the things, it's this book that she's kind of quietly disassociated herself from that's brought them together, and it's it's made everything feel so much more whole. And again, like you hit upon it earlier on, vulnerability. And how a support network can address that. Bingo. We, like, she got it. Of all the characters in this episode, she got it. And it was nice that in this typical thing where every plot can be connected, there's at least a dashed line between each one. It's Diane, the one that's deserved it the most, that's finally got it as we kind of find ourselves on the uh, the home straight, on the final furlong, as it as it were. Indeed, we certainly do. That's right, Michael. The two of them in a house, you would imagine there'd be lots of scenarios they get into. A bit like a sitcom. A bit like a sitcom you might even call horsing around which i believe <laughs> is what we're going to do now a little bit of horsing around in this episode of podcast horseman if you are just joining us for the first time or you're here a long time listener then you will know mm. this is the part of the show where we go back throughout the episode and we highlight all of the things you might have missed all the hidden details behind certain things hidden meanings and uh, the easter eggs that will appear in this episode so we go all the way back to the very beginning. I do, you know, I feel like my notes are short this week, but that's okay. It's never a bad okay. thing. Um, so we go back to the beginning. We go to Bojack's cars. He's driving in the streets of LA. Uh, there's a song lyric in there somewhere, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and we see the reactions of the people around him in the world as he's driving his car. And the first one we see in the background is a woman in her car. She's got a baby in the backseat. And she sort of, she's driving. She sees it's Bojack. She turns to look at him. She like frowns, she's really pissed off. 
and she just flips in the bird in the middle of the road. <laughs> Bearing in mind, she's got like a little kid in the backseat as well. It's yeah. just a real great visual. She flips in the bird, she drives off while he's on the phone, and then another guy pulls up alongside him, like that sort of driving at the same speed, sees him, like squints and starts frowning at Bojack, and then drives off, like drives away from him while frowning, not looking at the road. It's, <laughs> it's really angry people. People aren't digging, are not digging Bojack at all. No. Uh, we go across to Burritos and More, Michael, <laughs> which is a brilliant name, Burrito Place, where Bojack is just trying to make his order, but the people have obviously forgotten to mute the whole thing. Uh, we do get a glimpse of the menu, which I will just read for you now. So on the board, for starters, just to the right of the board, you will see the sort of vinyl sticker of presumably the mascot for uh, <laughs> Burritos and More. <laughs> Who's called Mo? Hello, my name is Mo, is the badge on him. It's a burrito person with arms and legs and cowboy boots. And his shirt is a ripped open bit of foil that is the burrito. He's got a smiley face. He's got a red yeah. nose like Rudolph. It's all very cute. But the mm -hmm. board reads as follows. It's split into a few sections. There's one that's called Combos and Mo. And that's like six meal deals, essentially what you get. One's called Primo. One's called Dynamo. Supremo. Whammo, Ultimo, <laughs> and number six is Fomo, <laughs> as in oh, nice. fear of missing out because it's so big, it's wildly massive, it's got so much in it, it's ridiculous. Each one, of course, accompanied by a picture to go with it. There's also the section of just burritos that says the Adobmo, the Boregmo, the Chorizmo, the <laughs> Quesmo, or I assume Quesadilla like Quesmo. The mm -hmm. Pascard more, the <laughs> mis the Mystery more, which is interestingly ninety nine cents. So I'm not <laughs> sure how much is in there, and the Avmore card more. <laughs> There's also another section, Michael. I believe now it's called more two exclamation marks, which says Gordit more, more pa, Tequit more, <laughs> so like Tequito, uh, and the Telecoy more. Uh, and then the veg is more, <laughs> more parlays. We've got Hong, we've got Hong Mo, we've got Relin Mo, and we've got Curted Mo. And then there's the little bits at the bottom that are called Lillens, as in like Littlands, Lillens, mm -hmm. which are called More Bites and More Sticks. <laughs> Beverages, <laughs> Beverages are called Moda. <laughs> of course. Soda. Yeah. And then more chatter, like more chatter. Um, and then there's also a little bit in the middle that says, your food will be more iced unless speci unless specified. <laughs> and there's like a little gauge for how moist your food is. It says dry, moist, damp, wet, soaked. <laughs> right so, I mean... Everybody likes their food a different way, I suppose. But the moist stomach, I was not one I was expecting. <laughs> I've got to be honest. And brilliantly, I just love the commentary coming from the uh, from the little speaker. You've already touched on most of the other stuff, but I just loved it when they're sort of talking and thinking they're on mute. And he says, the guy says, they're talking about Bojack, and he says, his tie is all loosened up, which like which is like the universal sign for having a shitty day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was quite cute. We go to the opening credits. There's nothing changed there because, of course, we are on 
the home stretch. So we go to Vim Management from there. There's a little gag on the outside before we go in. There's two goat men in suits who are walking with their heads down because they're on their phones typing away. Bit of a social comedy there. Before they butt heads in the middle of the street, Michael, as goats have a tendency to do, like two goats who are butting heads. It's all very cute. Then we go inside Vim Management. And there's a little, um, a little. you need the captions on for this one or you might miss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Judah and Princess Carolyn, we kind of, join them in the middle of a conversation. And Judah says, I don't think it's wise to be burning bridges at this juncture before Princess Carolyn says, I'm sorry, I just don't like Bo. And then we quickly move on. And for anybody nice. who's paying attention, yeah. of course, they are talking about American actor Bo Bridges, the older brother of one Jeff Bridges, who mm-hmm. is probably more on your radar if you're certainly, certainly my age, probably not if you're your age, Michael. You're a bit older, aren't you? <laughs> Quite old, you. Um, I am aware of his work. I am aware of his work. Good, very good, cute. Burning Bridges, Bow Bridges, it's all very good. Uh, we go across to the set of Birthday Dad from there, and uh, brilliantly, we see Mr. Peanut Butter. He's all a bit flustered. He's talking to Princess Carolyn after definitely messing that lineup, not even close to what he's <laughs> And you see how flustered he is because he goes to eat one of the apples on set, but of course, it's fake fruit. It's like plastic fruit. Just <laughs> take a bite, he's like, oh, and puts it back down. Um, before, brilliantly, of course, what would you have, Michael? What would the one apple do? Eh? The apple a day would keep the doctors away. Yeah. Am I right? Is that how it goes? Well, that is right, yeah. yeah. Before he then jumps into an anecdote about... Of when course. He to the Very doctor. nice. He says, I went to the doctor to see if he could make me feel better. <laughs> 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 he said, you should go check out this internet meme. It always cheers me up. Sad dog. And I said, but doctor... I am sad, dog. <laughs> Which, of course, for anybody who somehow has been living under some sort of rock, I don't know, maybe you've just never come across it, is, of course, a reference to the old anecdote about the great clown Pagliacci when he's come to town and they say, you should go and see him. But, of course, I am the great the great clown Pagliacci. Wonderful stuff. Yes. Uh, we go across to Hollywood Community Centre, which is where the AA meeting is taking place. There's a little gag outside where we see, and I can't remember if this is the first or second time I it may be the second from a different time because the woman who is up the tree apologizes for this continually happening. But basically there's a cat woman who is stuck up a tree and two firemen are trying to get her down and she's saying, I'm so sorry this keeps happening or whatever she says. Uh, thoughts on the postcard at Podcast Horseman. Let us mm. know if that's happened before. I think it may have done or maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. But anyway, that's the gag. Uh, we go inside and you see the usual notice board we find inside these community centre type places. Again, we've seen it before. There's a an ad for goat yoga. There's uh, one that says, have you seen this flyer? That's literally got the pull tabs from it and loads yeah. of tabs have been taken from it. But there's a couple of new ones. One of them is uh, Shakespeare in the Park, Michael, which, of course, you're thinking, oh, it's a bear. It's Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Well, you would think that. But on the picture, you'll notice it's actually a fish person wearing like a bear head costume. And right. the bottom bit of it reads, Shakespeare in the park, a midsummer night's bream, Michael. Oh, that's good. That's it's, good. It's, it's double. It's all like double. Uh, bears and fish in the same thing. Uh, there's also another one that's called Some Like It Trot. Uh, and I, I couldn't quite specify, but I didn't know if it was hot yoga. I didn't know if it was something a bit rude. But basically, it's a woman and two horse women stood in front of her. They're all kind of hugging, and the woman is winking. Uh, make of that what you will. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> okay. We'll move swiftly on uh, <laughs> to 
this actual conversation that's happening, and I didn't catch the guy's name who's talking, but you see the guy immediately who's talking about the life he's had, and like it's, it's, a, it's a cat person who's talking, I believe. Um, and he basically says, "Well, like if it wasn't for my sponsor Leo here, maybe I would have gone off the rails." And of course, his sponsor is called Leo Michael because his sponsor is a lion, Leo the lion, yeah. next to him. Uh, do you get the joke? And then, of course, we do get Vance Wagner who reveals himself. He's wearing the hoodie and pair of sunglasses. And you mentioned it, oh, but worth mentioning again, where he tells Bojack, my number is 555-555-8008. Because sometimes life turns you upside down, and when you're upside down, my number is boobs. <laughs> <laughs> or should I say, my number is boobs. Boobs. <laughs> With all the S's. From there, we go to Warblast Studios, which is, of course, the um, Bojack Horseman Warner Brothers Studios version uh, in this world. And you will see, for any Hawkeye viewers, you will spot that while Princess Carolyn is on the telephone, one Courtney Portnoy can be seen in the background uh, of the set because she is, of course, Michael, she was cast in Fire Flame, if you recall correctly, the film that Kelsey Jannons is um, directing. And, of course, if you remember correctly, Justin, the director, suggests that she hires Courtney Portnoy instead of Gina because Gina was hard to work with, or I would say that in inverted commas, we know the history there of why yeah. she is hard to work with. Turns out Courtney did indeed get a part on that, but she isn't playing the main part. She's obviously playing like a villain because she's dressed in like, so the Fire Flame is the main character. The villain that Courtney Portnoy is playing, she's like dressed in like like a white outfit with a snowflake on her chest, which obviously suggests it's like a frost lady or something like that, which would, mm-hmm. to me, suggest the opposite of Fire Flame, but maybe not. Who knows? Um, we go to Bojack's house from there, and um, as you mentioned before, there's a TV show that he's watching uh, on a TV channel, like a news thing sort of thing, um, mm-hmm. and he's watching it on a channel called TBS, Michael, which we know is TBS, but not the way that it is in Bojack, because it's T and it's B as in Bumblebee, and it's Good. TBS and the woman presenting on the show is of course a bee. I think she's like she might be a bumblebee, she might be a killer bee, but she's a bee in general. Yeah. Um, and there's a brilliant, brilliant gag. Yeah. The picture of Bojack is of course the picture of him sneezing on Marissa Tomei, the classic that we've seen. But this one is very specifically, as you mentioned, cut out poorly. Like mm. if there was a way to take a good PNG, a transparent image of Bojack, it was just the outside outline of him. That's like loads of the background still in the picture that's being cut out, as well as the picture that gets superimposed on top of him of the dick weasel t-shirt. It's really badly done. <laughs> but of course, it leads to that other brilliant gag, as we are told by the presenter who says, now, I know this Photoshop is not up to our program's usual standards, but in our graphic department's defense, None of them could spend 10 minutes looking at this ass weasel without their <laughs> uteruses literally throwing up. <laughs> and, of course, to follow that, we get this amazing image of a uterus, and then as she says, like, a uterus with a smiley face, and then as she says, throwing up, it is literally sick everywhere. <laughs> in the Great stuff. Really good gag. We cut quickly across to Gaz's office, of course, Bojack's accountant. And I just have to point out, <laughs> Gaz, the accountant, and Chaz, Bojack, Bojack's very good lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> of which must have been in charge of the court case where he's just had to pay $5 million, <laughs> which isn't a laughing matter, of course. He's had to pay $5 million to Sarah Lynn's family, but still, Chaz, the very good lawyer in a <laughs> I, I, I don't know about his credentials there, Michael. I've got to be honest with you. Mm, um, yeah. We go from there, though, back to 
Bojan's house again and obviously when his house is just quickly sold to make money from him uh, the family recognised Bojack immediately uh, who come in this family of cows um, the realtor quickly tries to stop them from recognising him as Bojack Horseman and they say oh no it's Sylvester Stallion this is Sylvester Stallion she points to Bojack which lets us know Michael that of course Sly Stallone in this world is Sly Stallion mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallion the guy's a goddamn horse in this world, just in case you didn't know. Um, we do also get to see the uh, a letter, sorry, from Hollyhock, uh, which comes with in an envelope and reads as follows. There's a couple of bits we get to see here. We, of course, get Bojack Horseman's address, which we know from previous episodes. We find we see Hollyhock's uh, return address in the corner, which I just love that it says Hollyhock M-M-G-R-Z-H-F-M for all her last names. Uh, from Bradley Whitford Dome, obviously her room, which is 67A on the campus uh, for um, Wesleyan, you'd assume. Um, mm. But then we also get to see the little stamp in the corner, Michael, a 55-cent stamp of Theodore Roosevelt, which is just a, it's like a bear with a moustache, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, quite cute indeed. Uh, we go from there, though, across to Todd and Maud's new place, Michael, which is situated in the apartment blocks, I guess, which is called... Lapin Place. And for anybody who knows a little bit of French, Lapin, of course, is French for rabbit, Michael. Hey, nice oh, and yes. Of course it is. Nice and easy. Um, but there's another cute gag in here, which I, it takes a little while for, you to, for me to get certainly. Perhaps suggests where they've bought this place and a reason for it. If you're paying attention throughout the time that Todd is on the phone and a couple of times, or one time, one additional time rather, when we get an establishing shot of Lapin Place, you will see that there is a ton of planes that are flying past in the background. You see it through the windows a couple of times, and you see it once on the outside of the apartment. And for a little while, they're trying to figure out what the actual gag is. Yeah, I know, I certainly was. And I don't know if it's a gag so much as it's more the location of the actual apartment, right? Because it's just like a tiny detail. But have Todd and Maud, Michael, picked an apartment that is near the airport which is where Maud works, right? She works at the cinema. Ah, of course, yeah. In an airport. I was trying to think for a while, what's the gag? Because a few, a few of the planes that go past are the like the Southwest planes, that are like mm. the pink-coloured planes that are covered in mud that we've, we've had in previous episodes. There's one yeah. of them is the American Airlines airplane that goes by. So I was trying to figure out if it was just relevant to the plane or whatever. Pigs can fly, I don't know. It wasn't, though. I, I've got a feeling... It's because they picked an apartment that is right next to the airport, which would make sense for her commute to work. That's so, brilliant. Yeah, I never even, yeah, of course. Oh, didn't didn't put it together, right. but it's a tiny detail, but it makes sense to me that that's what it would probably be. Maybe not. Maybe there's something else in there. If you have a better idea, at Podcast Horseman, do let us know. Um, we go from there across to Vim Management once again, and I've just got to say a great little animation for what would Todd do inside Judah's head. Brilliant stuff. That really enjoyed it. Uh, and another interesting thing, just I thought was noteworthy, Michael. It's just we see just how much how much kids love Judah. I love that Todd is trying yeah. to take his kids away that he's like looking after in the daycare with all the leashes that he's got them on, and then he's trying to leave, but they all, all just want to hug Judah. Who the hell wouldn't want to hug Judah, Michael? He's a great guy, <laughs> bloody great guy. We go from there to the set of Birthday Dad, um, once again, and this obviously at the point where Bojack has joined the cast and crew as dead body number four, as you mentioned. Um, and as you say, very much a sort of visual representation of how much he is quite literally at the bottom of the Hollywood pile. 
Um, but excellently, we get a little sort of zoomed out shot of the set. So we see Bojack and Peanut Butter on the set. We see all of the like crew who are filming the episode. And you will notice, Michael, to the left-hand side, a bunch of, like, we've got the crew who are doing stuff. But on the left-hand side, you will also see one uh, Karen Katara, if you recall correctly, who is the woman who Princess Karen commissions to direct the show. Ah, uh, yes, of course. It's yeah. the woman who has that one bad, like, she takes a little bit of time off or whatever, and Hollywood escapes her. She's the woman that Princess Carolyn is told as a cautionary tale, who she then gets into the job on birthday, Dad. She had a baby, didn't she? Yes, yeah. Yeah. And actually, even more so, if you remember, she's the one who becomes one of the um, repeated audio noises in Princess Carolyn's head in the episode, I think it's there yes. uh, where she's trying to juggle being a mom and being a, mm-hmm. uh, a manager as well, where it's Katara, 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 Katara. Yes. It's going through her head, that horrible episode where she's having to juggle mm-hmm. a million times. Don't worry, Michael, it's not you tonight. You're fine, you're safe. <laughs> You'll be looking after the kids tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's all back um, tomorrow. It's all back tomorrow. <laughs> it all starts again. Um also, brilliantly, uh, backstage when Peanut Butter and Bojack are talking uh, after the scene they've just shot together, there's a bunch of stuff going on where people are walking past. One of them, brilliantly, Michael, which uh, I thought was quite cute, because, of course, this is birthday dad. Um, there's an assistant who's walking by with presumably a bunch of props for the episode. There's a bunch of machine guns that have been wrapped up in birthday wrapping paper. <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to be a gift to someone on the war zone? I don't know, but that seems to be the guy we're getting at here. In the background, we go back to Todd and Maud's apartment at their lap-in place. And uh, I just thought you might want to know, Michael, as you've already mentioned them, but maybe we'll just put a like put them out there once again for everybody. Just the three phrases that elegant adults say all the time. Indeed, in, yeah. In, in popular life. One of them is, I'm starting to think smartphones are actually making us less connected. Mm-hmm. Another is, well, that's politics for you. And, of course, yeah. the last one, which I know I personally use more times than <laughs> one. Sir, you cannot remove your shoes inside this Applebee's, which, I mean, that's just a phrase for life, that one, isn't it? You can you can yeah. use that one time and time again. I know you and I certainly have. Um, I also thought it was worth noting that when you see uh, later on at the party, you see uh, Peanut Butter turns up to the party. He's got a little... Um, a little gift, which I'll get onto in just a second. But he gets out of, he gets dropped off by a, a Cabra Cadabra a taxi, which drops him off. Of course, one of the drivers, and it's one of the the whale women drivers that they have for them, who drops him off. But then, of course, he's got a wonderful gift for Todd Michael. One which maybe we need every now and again when we're doing this podcast. Just a nice creative astjolt energy drink. <laughs> um, the pickles used to drink, but he doesn't have any needs for anymore because pickles isn't there. She's Indeed. left him. Yeah. Um, but not as good, Michael, as the bag that Judah turns up with, uh, the little tote bag, which is just the most Judah thing ever. For And the bag is from uh, Vol Foods as opposed to Whole Foods, which you would normally get. Uh, and, he's, and it's just very on brand. That for Judah, isn't it? It feels like right yeah. up the street. Um, we go across to the Silver Spoon Diner. And uh, a couple of things in here. The, there's a bunch of people in there surrounding Bojack and uh, Vance Wagner on the scene. We see the woman who we've seen a bajillion times in this show. Starts off life as being the woman who Bojack steals the pram from, if you remember rightly, and he keeps con- as a constant gag where he steals the pram and is running away. Yes. Mm-hmm. All this kind of thing. As we've mentioned many times on this podcast, her ch- we've literally watched her children grow up in front of our eyes on this show. Mm. And she is literally in the restaurant now with her, what must be like maybe six-year-old daughter, uh, and they're shocked and appalled to see Bojack in there, and she takes her away. 
she doesn't want to see him. We don't see the other child that she's had at this point, just that one. But again, a nice little nod to one of the longest running gags, surely, in this yeah. show. This um, then there's also Bojack when he's talking to Vance. And just I thought this was quite interesting. And we've all probably done this with something at one time or another. He talks about the letter from Hollyhock and he says, quote, as long as I don't read it, she's still in my life. Hmm. Oh, man, it's a, it's yeah. a horrible lap. But I know that feeling. I know that. As long as I don't listen to that particular voicemail or I don't read that particular text or I don't look at that letter back in the day, I'm sure yeah. it all fits the same. The email, whatever it might be, whether it's a job rejection that you weren't expecting or whatever. It's that mm. lovely Schrodinger's cat moment, isn't that where everything's okay? But yeah. just, <laughs> I just ignore everything. I'm in the box. Or am I in the box? Who knows? <laughs> um, also, brilliantly, in the background here, yeah, there's a billboard, the one we've seen a million times outside the window of uh, the Silver Spoon Diner. And it's a billboard for birthday dad, Michael, and Mr. Peanut Butter's uh-huh. dumb little face looking out in the background with some birthday balloons or something. I don't know. Um, hmm. We go from there to Chicago. We go to Guy's house and... Um, there's a little gag outside, which, man, oh, man, if you saw this, it made me just want to hug you <laughs> because the outside <laughs> gag is this desperately, and I mean desperately tired-looking rabbit man who is walking a pram that is full to the brim of, like, baby, <laughs> I saw that one. baby rabbits. <laughs> it's in the middle of the night. It's full of about, like, 20 to 30 <laughs> rabbits in this pram that's got, a, it's like got a, like a lid on it, so they're all inside and they're, like, warm. And he's just desperately tired pushing this pram. Really, really <laughs> made me laugh, but also made my heart went out to you, brother. I really did. Um, <laughs> one of Sonny's friends inside is also wearing a T-shirt that says, it either says Lax to the Max or LAX to the Max, as in LAX, the airport. But they're in Chicago, mm. so I feel like it's Lax to the Max. Yeah. I'll be honest, outside of just the, the cute, crack i didn't realize i didn't really it didn't really trigger mm. anything in my head anybody who knows more than me please do let me know at podcast horseman we go back once again to Lapin place where todd and Maud's apartment and there's another wonderful little outside gag where it's obviously turned to night time at this point and we see a, a firefly woman who is running out on a late night run and we see her little like glowing bum as she runs in the <laughs> middle of the night which presumably lights her away in the dark michael yeah um, not that she's running ass backwards i mean she's just Running a normal pace, but there you go. Um, yeah. Then we go back to the streets of LA. It's Vance and uh, Bojack are in the car driving down the streets. We've got a few shop names that you'll see in the background. One of them is Philly's Cafe. There's one that's called Shark Shack, and there's one that's called Yak Bar. <laughs> <laughs> I got really excited at one point thinking, because you can't, it was sort of um, obscured by someone on the street with a sign that says, like, for dancing or something. And I thought it was going to say Akbar, and I thought they'd gone all in on some Star Wars reference. But they hadn't. It says Yakbar. Uh, then there's, I know you're disappointed about that. Then there's one, <laughs> I'll be honest, Michael, this one really upset me. It's a license plate. There's a couple of license plates. But one of them in particular really, really got me. You know, you always say on this podcast when people leave a five star review, they can say something nasty or say something nice. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of a stretch for the show to go all the way out there and do a, do a whole license plate that is aimed to dig you. Because one oh. license plate, Michael, reads, H-A-M-H-8-R, which, when translated, is ham hater. <laughs> Do not appreciate that. Which just feels harsh, to be honest. <laughs> Look, I know he's a piece of shit, but he doesn't need this. <laughs> just oh, reviewing the episodes, man. <laughs> at, least just... put it, at least put it in the bit that I'll see in my notes, rather than Nicholas, <laughs> so he gets to call me on it. Come at on, guys. put it in 
put it in a plot device at least. God damn it. <laughs> Not just some drive-by, literal drive-by. <laughs> literal drive-by. Well, Michael Hamlet. There is also one other air license plate visible in here that reads F U double Z E one, which I guess is Fuzzy One. Uh not to be confused with Fuzzy One. Um oh, uh, exactly. And then uh, we also get a wonderful reveal while Vance is talking about the email that he got. It's when he's lying to Bojack, but he's essentially just seen the extra like on the Instagram post that we don't know about yeah. yet. But he yeah. mentions how his daughter is at uh, USC. Uh, mm. but of course. You don't get to find this out until later, but if you've got the closed captions on again, you will see that it's USC as in U-E-W-E, of course. Animal goes to the letter U, so it's U-S-C. And we get one other shop sign before we disappear as the car's pulled over. There's a few others we've seen before, but one that I missed the last time around because it was obscured, it reads for Potteroo Barn, Michael, instead of Pottery Barn, which I thought was quite cute. Yes. Um, back to Chicago. Uh, in Guy's house once again, and we get a shot of a pile of books, Michael, that Diane has got on the couch next to her as she indulges in a bit of Sonny's video game. She's kind of wants to, mm-hmm. you can tell it's a little attempt to maybe learn his world a little bit more, which obviously inadvertently ends up paying off for her as he's learned her world that she doesn't know about yet. But on the settee that she, or the couch where she's sitting there, there's a pile of books we see, and they kind of tie in as well wonderfully to what she was. She's trying to tell Princess Carolyn earlier on in this episode about Eleanor Roosevelt at one point, and Princess Carolyn keeps cutting her off and saying she's not interested. Or she's, she says, interesting, but in that very sarcastic way to cut her off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the books read as follows. One of them is called, but dot, 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 her females, with the subheading, American women who should have been president. <laughs> um, <laughs> then there's another one called, The Real Deal, uh, colon, The Life of Eleanor Roosevelt. Another one called, Gal Pals, colon, Eleanor and Hick. And then the very bad <laughs> one called Eleanor Roosevelt's book of... Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt's book of coquettish etiquette. <laughs> nice. Good. Very nice indeed. All Diane clearly gone on an Eleanor Roosevelt binge after being denied by Princess Carolyn. Um, and I just, I've just written in my notes here, I really enjoyed this little moment between uh, Diane and Sonny. I just thought it was cute. Yeah. I thought it was nice. A real nice little world-building, positive moment. I enjoyed it quite a lot. We go across to USC campus, as I've kind of mentioned already there. Um, I just love, well, I love and hate, it's a bit of a popper, that Von has literally named his daughter Jagger, as in like after Mick Jagger, I assume, and Mm -hmm. makes her name Jagger Wagoner, which is just... Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I never even put that together. Terrible name. You can understand why she doesn't like him at all. I kind yeah. of get that already. Um, there's also that, as I mentioned, in we kind of touched it during your part of the show. Um, just a big comment here, isn't there, about about dude bro culture? I think, and that that's definitely a thing where you, if you're at university, perhaps your takes on the world might not quite have fully evolved. Is that fair to say? Might yeah, that, have, is abs- that is crushingly fair to say. <laughs> crushingly fair. I would include myself in that. I'm not. Uh, I'm yeah, certainly not uh, exonerating you or me. Certainly not fully yeah. developed. I think it's fair to say. No, yeah. um, but interestingly, Michael, they do a little cute thing here uh, because they are kind of associating uh, dude bros with wearing polo shirts, you know, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the brand of Polo Ralph Lauren, which kind of seems to blend in there, which, as you know, is a man riding a horse on the yes. logo. But, of course, in this instance, it is a horse man logo that is on the oh, very good. instead of a man riding a horse. It's just... Uh, a horseman 
which of course certainly backs up our lead character, Bojack Horseman. And they are all like, hey, it's all right to be like that. Why don't we all be like that together? Yeah, but also a clever tie-in to, I guess it's definitely a stereotype of the polar alpha red shirt. Anybody can wear them, but you know, that's what they're trying to associate, yeah. Um, we go back to Lapin Place once again, uh, Todd's party. Actually at the party now, the party has begun. And um, a few interesting guests here, Michael, who've turned up for Todd's party. For anybody who's paying attention, the people who've come around who are certainly worth your time. Uh, Emily is at the party. You'll see her sitting down. She's standing or sitting down while she's stood next to her is one of her many, I assume, big sexy firemen who she's got. You know, of from course, her, yeah. Her after kind of picture up with hot firemen. Uh, yeah. there's someone there. I don't know if I, I couldn't decide if it was one of the specific ones we've met already or just another generic fireman, but that's mm-hmm. who's there. Also, Michael, one of our personal favorites was sitting blending into the background. I don't know if you noticed, uh, or blending into the foreground, even impossibly. The office gentleman was there, Michael, our favorite ah. when Todd was working at what time is it right now? Yeah, uh, never said anything but was always present. Uh, he's there sitting on Todd's couch as well as. Uh, and genuinely, I'm not doing a, a man from Hollywood here. The woman from Todd's improv group, who I am reliably, inf- reliably informed, is called is credited as female improviser. <laughs> <laughs> she can be seen there. It's the woman. Uh, she's wearing a white top with uh, coloured stripes across it horizontally. Mm-hmm. From the group Yes And, of course, who Todd joins the improv group. She's one of them. One of those people who tries to brainwash him into doing all sorts of mad yeah. stuff. Um, also, I just I've, I've, I've mentioned it already, but I will say it again, Mr. Peanut Butter's repeating of the line, I'm starting to think that smartphones are actually making us less connected, is both funny, but also well delivered and perfectly timed to give it some gravitas, which I really enjoyed. Once again, finally, the last stop on our tour, we go back to the uh, USC campus. We are inside, Michael, the frat house called Delta House. Uh, what could possibly go wrong, eh? <laughs> Um, there's a sign outside on the on the wall, like hanging draped across, that reads "Welcome to USC, freshman." But then "men" is scribbled out, and it's crossed out. And underneath is written in black pen, like "ladies" with a Z yeah. on the end, which yeah. is grim to begin with. Um, <laughs> also, a guy outside who was vomiting violently into a bush, Michael, just having a bad night. Um, we end up inside, and I think the 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 they do a great job here of making it feel like a frat boy house. And the poster that you'll see on the wall is a poster for Starface, Michael, as opposed to Scarface. It's done out exactly the same as the Scarface poster, but instead of being a person, Tony Montana is, I guess, Tony, he would be Tony Mole Tanner in this world. He's a Starface Mole. He's got the star nose. Oh, good. Very good. Starface. Um, Really made me think of Joey Tribbiani's bedroom as well, this, uh, having the poster of Scarface, I believe he had. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm almost 100% sure. There's a comedy there and there somewhere, isn't it, about that film? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, you and I went back and forth on this, and we might chuck this out to our listeners at Podcast Horseman for all your thoughts. We saw the symbols on the wall, didn't we, of the, of the frat house. There is very clearly the symbol, uh, the triangle, a circle, and what looks like a, le- a, a lowercase n, with a little bit extra on it. Um, we went and did the Greek alphabet for the, the translation. We got the mm-hmm. triangle being for Delta. We got the circle looking like it might be for 
Omicron, which is obviously from, again, from the Greek alphabet. I won't pretend to be fluent in that by any means. <laughs> that little small, like, lowercase n with a bit on the end. We mm-hmm. look up and down. We kind of try to settle maybe on, like, what they were classed as the H, uh, which would be eta, but I don't think it's that. So if anybody is fluent in this, by all means, please do let us know. Yeah, please. We don't have it. We've got Delta, Omicron, something, but we don't have the rest. There might be a gag in there. I just don't know. I'm a stupid Englishman. We don't know. <laughs> we don't have frat houses over here. We're just, no. we're just people. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, there's a brilliant gag with a worm, Michael, um, who is, you know, like worms and tequila. You know how that whole oh, yeah. thing works out? There's a worm who is literally drinking a bottle of tequila to the point though, where they drink so much of it that their head goes into the bottle of tequila. <laughs> And they're like the head's trapped into it. And later on, you will see them walking around in the background to the point they can't see anymore. And they whack their head off a door and fall down on the floor. It's quite a cute gag. Um, also, if you look carefully in the background, you'll see the shifty skunk guy who we've seen before. Uh, he's the person who Princess Carolyn almost runs over with her car in season five, I believe, in the final episode of season five, where she's going to get a baby finally. She's going mm-hmm. to get her baby. Uh, there's that whole split screen thing with Sadie and Princess Carolyn, and it looks like the skunk has just walked out of Sadie, who's done a contraction almost. It's a cute guy. Mm-hmm. He's in, anyway, he's in the house, skunking around in the background, Michael. <laughs> uh, and, last, and last but not least, I've just said, yeah, that moment of Bojack reading the letter on the porch and then going back in and getting that whole slow zoom into him as the world's going around outside him. Oh, man, it's just such a heavy moment, but such a great one in a mm. real painful way really good stuff Bojack Horseman summed up in a whole just seen that isn't indeed, it great indeed. stuff that hurts you a lot to watch but that yeah. is <laughs> all of the stuff from this week's episode from this week's edition rather of Horsing Around but we do still have time for one last thing and then I swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever Michael I'm not even going to ask you I'm just going to let you go first this week thank you it's quick and I couldn't not go with this as soon as I saw it of course we talked about um, Judah Trying to think what Todd would do um, as a way to put the like praise of coming up with this ingenious idea on Todd himself rather than taking yeah. it for himself. But I may have mentioned once before, I don't know if this theory has come up, but uh, there's a, a passing glance, an idea that maybe Todd is God. <laughs> Todd, Todd is, is God. <laughs> Todd is God or Jesus Christ or the, you know, the supreme deity, if that's the religion that you believe in, in this universe. And they give us another clue towards that in this one, of course. We get the what would Todd do? WWTD, of course, a famous riff on the what would Jesus do? WWJD. And it's right there in that lovely animation that you talked about there as we go through sort of Judah's thought process for Todd arranging the party. WWTD. At the last, we might have been given the clearest 50-foot high letters tell that maybe this show has been trying to put that across to us all along. I don't think he has he yet walked on water. Um I feel I mean, like you can't be far off, can you? <laughs> no, but yes, this was this was the clearest yet that maybe we were on to something all those seasons ago that there was a, a more a higher power presence around our Todd. Indeed. Well, if I if there isn't one, you've certainly done enough to convince me throughout this. Uh, <laughs> sure. I'm a follower. I am a disciple. I believe <laughs> in in the big eye Todd. I guess. Yeah. Why not? Um, my one last thing is an observational thing, of course. <laughs> I mean, what else am I going to do? That's my whole bit. Um, but but I left I deliberately left out a bit, so I hope no one was screaming at the podcast. Why is he not talking about this? Because um, I thought it was a cute enough thing to leave till later on. 
I've left it till the end on purpose, and you'll see why mm. in just a second. Um, but when we were on the, the Warbler Bros studio set, I mentioned we see Courtney Portnoy in the background while Princess Carolyn is on the phone. We also see another man uh, who was driving one of those little, what do you call them, buggies or carts that are on sets, mm. you know, they're taking people. It's like a golf cart that would take people yeah. around. Um, now, at one point, you will see that man is driving around in the background, Michael, with a bunch of, like, presents on the back of this little cart. You know, presumably, it's birthday dad. These are things mm-hmm. he's taken for birthday dad and set pieces. That is the second instance you'll see him. He's, like, further off in the background. The first time you'll see him, though, when Princess Carolyn is on the phone, he's driving around in the background, Michael. And would you believe it? On the back of his cart, he's got a gigantic birthday cake, right? He's just got a massive birthday cake on the back of his car, mm-hmm. which to you and me is just like, okay, it's just, it's just a birthday cake. It's great. Yeah. But for anybody who's paying attention, now whether this is just because they got lazy on the show and they just thought, wait, we've already got one, we might as well use it again, or whether it is meant to be a little wink and a nod because it's going to Mr. Peanut Butter, it is the exact same type of cake that Peanut Butter uses for Diane's 35th birthday party Oh, get in. The one that Paul McCartney, at yeah. the end of the episode, you see mm-hmm. what I did there? At the Very end good. of the episode, pops out of for that one tiny little cameo of his, and then the <laughs> one that's off. It doesn't have Happy Birthday Diane written on it, obviously, but it is the mm-hmm. exact, like for like, colour scheme, icing, everything right. is exactly the same. Maybe they just didn't want to draw another giant birthday cake. I don't know, but there you go. For anybody who's got four guys, keep an eye out for that one. Yeah, love that. Um, but that's all of our details, all of our spiel. It's guess it's the only thing left for us to do now. In another one, bite in the dust, Michael. Mm-hmm. For anybody who's keeping score, three episodes of Podcast Horseman and Bojack Horseman. Well, three episodes of Bojack Horseman to go. We do, of course, have other episodes to follow after that. But yes, we are running out of them. But until then, we might as well plug them while we still can. If you've yeah. enjoyed this podcast, if you've hated this podcast, if you yeah. just kind of had it on in the background while you've been doing your washing, that's fine. Absolutely fine. Come and give us a follow. You've got nothing to lose. It doesn't cost you anything. At Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram. We've enjoyed, we have loved having the following uh, of people who love this show. We love talking to people mm. about this show. Send us anything and everything you want about the show, whether it's in the DMs, whether it's just a tweet you want to send to us directly, whatever. We want to hear it from you. We want you to talk yourself horse about a talking horse, much the way we do. And speaking of us, you can also follow either of us on Twitter if you'd like, at uh, what am I again? At it's Alan Nicholas for me, and you can follow Michael Hamflet. At Michael Hamflet, you can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to subscribe or follow on Spotify, where you can follow um, on all the major podcast outlet places, including Amazon.co.uk, or because I didn't say it earlier on Amazon.com. The last thing I want is them lawyers back on the phone. Me, they've got a very, very highly paid Gaz and Chaz just waiting to call <laughs> podcast husband. I don't, I don't trust those days. No, no, they'd have to be, they'd have to be Gezo and Cheso, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, that pair of dickheads are still in space, so they can't get us from there. Um, or anywhere else for that matter, including on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. Every Friday, a brand new episode, lovingly uploaded by Adam Nicholas, and it is there through an ACAST link where you can stream it or you can subscribe on there. And I believe on ACAST you can leave stars, which you can also do on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else that you get your podcast. We'd love you to do it for us. Um, it fools some algorithms, it fools some search fields, and it gets more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse while they still can. Um, and you still can get a review on the Hollywood Talk of Fame if you leave the five stars now. Uh, it can be short, it can be long, it can be nasty, it can be nice, but you stand a chance of getting run out and getting your start, which is exactly what 
Hadorn 17. Now, the Hadorn is Canadian. It's not somebody from the Northeast asking us to hold on. But Hadorn 17 <laughs> says a five star review and leave a comment. So I think they've had theirs designed at the sign maker where Mr. Peterbilt goes. We appreciate that. Says appointment listening every new episode. The host are passionate watching the show and it shows. Even after watching the series multiple times, I still discover new details and depth when I listen to the recaps. Thank you very much, Hadorn. As a uh, Serial repeat viewers ourselves, we greatly appreciate that, and that's what we look for. That's why we do this podcast. A start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be coming to you on the Instagram and on the Twitter somewhere out there very, very soon. Wait, that's why you do this podcast. Have you have you not been getting paid? Just me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, let me get back on to uh, what was it? Gazo, Gazo, and Bazo. And <laughs> I got a, I got a phone call to make. <laughs> No, unfortunately, our accountants at uh, Podcast Horsemen have been ringing us off the hook to be like, why are you guys not making any money? <laughs> uh, we do it for the love, guys and chats. That's what we do it for. We love that stupid piece of sh- talking horse. Anyway, enough about the talking horse. Well, not quite. A little bit more on them because we'll go across to Netflix just before we go for the synopsis for next week's episode. And also, just before I do jump into that again, remember... Follow Friday is in place, so if you are getting weird follow requests of Podcast Horsemen, you've been warned. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm doing it again, but when I'm on Friday, I'm not looking at who it is. I'm just pressing the follow button, man, and hopefully it all works out. I'm pushing that button, Michael, to get my little bit of happiness is what I'm trying That's to do. It. Or maybe to give some. Anyway, the synopsis for next week's episode, which is Season 6, Episode 14, the <sighs> third last episode ever of Bojack Horseman. It is called Angela. Angela Diaz reaches out to Bojack Horseman. Princess Carolyn gets an offer from Lenny Turtletab and Todd cooks up a scheme, which, to be honest, Michael, I'm excited about because I, I have never seen Todd cook up a scheme in this show. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how he applies himself to that. What, <laughs> uh, what could possibly go right? Hey, question mark. I guess. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of intrigue there. But if you want to find out, as always, Michael, you'll have to come back next week because we're just not going to give it away. We're not going to do it. There's only three. We can't afford to give them all away in one episode. Anyway, until that time, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamlet, And this has been Podcast Horseman. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.